and they gave Innistrad M&Ms out. Yes, F and M&Ms were, were a real thing. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 196. I am one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman. I am joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hey everybody, this is Jess. And Brogan King. Greetings. Hey, how have you guys been? Do you have a good weekend? I played Path of Exile. I, you know, I drafted, um, I drafted uh, the Masters twenty five or whatever it is we're calling it for uh, <laughs> uh, the, the first next time. Masters. Yeah, the next Masters. Uh, masters more Masters cards. Um, masters in plus one. Yeah, yes. and so so I, I drafted it, and then uh, 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 I did really well. And so I got to draft again for free, basically. And hey. I drafted a J- I drafted a Jace the Mind Sculptor the second time. And uh, I di- also did really well. So I paid $25 to draft twice, come out with exactly as much store credit as I spent, and a Jace the Mind Sculptor. So Jess, did you, did, did you know Jace the Mind Sculptor is a good magic card? I just wanted to make I've sure heard. you knew that. Yeah, I played it, just for the <laughs> record. It's good in draft, too. Unsurprised. Uh, at any rate. All right. Yeah. So I, I have a I have a riddle for you guys. All right. Um, I'm ready. Which is heavier, a pound of bricks or a pound of Charles Featherers? It depends if you get the extra ER at the end. Oh, hey. <laughs> Featherer. Featherer. Hello. Yes, we are joined today by a special guest. That would be Mr. Charles Feather. Uh, Charles is uh, a level one judge from uh, from New Jersey. Which exit are you? Uh, which exit? Uh, exit uh, thirty, I think, somewhere around there. It's actually it's 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 not a joke. It's true. That's that's you know how it works around here. You uh, live off of an exit, and generally within a mile or two of one. Uh, so so Charles is a uh, like I said, he's a level one judge out of New Jersey, and you're also relatively uh, prolific. You've got you've got a, a blog. You're you're active on Twitter. Uh, you go to lots of events. Can you? Can you just uh, tell us tell us what all you do and what all you're about? Well, sure. It's it's not only that. Uh, I do a fair number of events. Uh, I like working for SCG and for Channel Fireball, but I also uh, am a member of the Level One Judge Project, and uh, I'm also the area rep for New Jersey. So I reach out to judges nearby and try and work with them, try and help TOs find judges for events, and uh, work through different problems. Now, uh, it's not the topic of the show, but just briefly, can you tell me what the Leveled One Judge Project is? So I think a lot sure. of people don't don't know about that. Sure. The Level One Judge Project was actually started by Brian. Yay, Brian. And uh, the idea behind it is to help redefine what an L1 is supposed to be. Um, we've gone through a lot of changes in the program in the past two years. Uh, we've lost uh, PTQs and, and other events that L1s typically signed up for. And the idea behind it now is to make sure that L1s have a place in the program and and contribute. And the idea is to make sure that we're helping them do that. So we're working on that. I know that there are some changes uh, coming down the road or, or they're talking about changes to the program still. And uh, we're going to contribute to that. So yeah, no, no big deal or anything. Nothing, nothing fancy, except, except, <laughs> you know, the other thing, the, the, the opposite one. You know, it's ha- happening behind the scenes, but it's, I think it will end up uh, making a big impact. So uh, Charles is going to be joining us uh, tonight as we, as we talk about um, my favorite Tom Petty song, Running Down a Dream. It's a very what? good Tom Petty song. Uh, and this, this is not I was gonna say, I feel I was, I was, I was about to say, I feel like there's a, re- a reference dream. deep, deep in I'm here. Not, uh, you know, I'm not getting it. You're not getting it. The, the, okay. No, we're going to be talking about running an F and M. Yes. The, the thing that, uh, <laughs> that happens every Friday night at, uh, thousands of stores across the globe, the ins and outs, things to, things to think about, things to take care of since running an F and M is something that a huge number of judges do. Not every judge, but a large number of judges do. So, uh, for for those of us who might not be familiar with what an F and M is, even though they're they know what judges are and they're listening to a podcast about judging, uh, what is what is F and M? 
It's I'm trying I'm trying so hard to think of another thing that FNM stands for, and I'm failing very, very hard. So uh it's Friday Night Magic and not a goof. Um Finally Ninja Monkeys. Finally. <laughs> ninja monkeys. That's a uh, yeah, finally creature type, ninja monkey. Um oh, yeah, that's Ragavan. Oh wait. What? Sorry. Nobody no, got No, no, no. We we did get ninja There's, monkeys in, in Unstable, yeah. I believe. Oh, do we? Well, Ragavan is a pirate monkey for the other two of you. Oh, um, God, <laughs> for for you other folks. Um, but yeah. So that's that's going to be the last the last dual deck, the last hurrah, the dual ducks, pirate monkeys versus ninja monkeys. Oh man, I never understood the pirate monkey though. Ragavan, uh, <clears throat> he comes from the pirate who attacks and makes a, a one one monkey. That's the name of that monkey. Oh, oh, Karizev, Karizev, yes. <clears throat> okay, excuse me. I see. I get it so, now. We got um, there. Yeah, well, what I never understood is how, like, if that monkey dies in combat, she just makes another one. Like, she's got a whole barrel of legendary monkeys with the same name. That's flavor. It has, the, she has a the, barrel the, of monkeys. Playing carries. Yeah. That's what the token, that's what the token should have been. The token should have been a barrel of monkeys. That, that would that have been great. That you explode to make multiple monkey tokens? Sure. See, why don't we design mm-hmm. magic cards? Uh, yeah. Carrie Zev is exactly as fun as a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> At any rate. Friday Night Magic exists. <laughs> it's uh, where you go and you play magic on Friday nights. I'm basically every store that has magic almost always has a Friday Night Magic of some yeah. flavor. Yeah, typically, they're pretty entry level events. Like not every store runs them, but most stores that have magic events, that's their go to, right? The Friday Night Magic event, right? And in a lot of times, it's it's players' first introduction to organized magic. So yeah. it's it, it's a step up from uh, playing playing casually like at the school library or at your kitchen table or something like that, uh, or maybe uh, a Wednesday night draft or something. But yeah, when people people come together and FNMs can can be anywhere from like eight players in, in a single draft all the way up to like 60 person modern events. Yeah. And I say modern because it's not going to be standard. And we, yeah. <laughs> It's not these days, but, you know, sometimes it is standard. Uh, in the past, we've had standard FNMs. Um, but uh, uh, one thing I wanted to point out, you mentioned it's the, the introduction to organized magic for a lot of players. And, and that's scary for a lot of players, right? And, and it's a lot like if you're if you only play at the kitchen table uh, or the metaphorical kitchen table, um, you're, you're probably playing with a group of friends that has their own house rules. They've got their own way they handle things. Uh, basically... Whatever they're about to experience at, at Friday Night Magic is a different organization than uh, a different organizational level than whatever they've experienced before, right? And it's it's just going to be new. So keeping that in mind when you have, and I'm sure we're going to talk about new players later, but keeping that in mind with new players is super important. Um, for- right. Well, it, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, Friday Night Magic is really the first opportunity that players get to um, play in an organized fashion. You know, when you do play at home, oftentimes it's just you and your brother just or or your sister just playing uh, a standard deck or or even kitchen table magic, which is just decks that you just put together with whatever theme that you have going on. Uh, Mm -hmm, When you go to mm -hmm. Friday Night Magic, this is your first opportunity to play in a fashion, in an organized fashion with uh, standard decks or modern decks. Or with people you don't know or with people you don't know, um, you can play the neat thing about Friday night magic is you can play almost any casual format that you can invent too. Uh, if you want to play pauper frontier commander, <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, I know it, it, it yeah, sounds awful. You got to find seven other people. It sounds awful, but, <laughs> right? but you can do that, you know, and, and you play it in such a way that you have a, a TO and you have a judge that oversee the tournament. They help organize it for you and make sure that there are pairings and everything else. So even even though it may be the intro to to magic, it's and it seems like it's as as a judge if you're if you've been judging for a million years, it might not seem like a big deal. It it is it's it, it is going to impact a player's experience if that doesn't go well, or it is going to impact a player's experience if it goes great. If it's their if that maybe it'll inspire them to come back when they were nervous or scared. Sure. A lot of players' first experiences with magic end up being Friday night magic. Even They may not even play kitchen table too much, and they end up in a store, and they end up in a draft for the very first time. And, and the idea behind Friday night magic is to make it welcoming and fun for everybody. 
Yeah, since since this Friday Night Magic does happen to be a lot of people's first of uh, first events and first foray into organized magic, we wanna we wanna make sure that it's not the last foray into organized magic right. as well. So we wanna create an environment that that'll bring people back. And there's there's home. only so much that's that's going to be under your control because they are still there to to play magic. And and you want to try to make the those intangible bits as as good as you can. And from the from so, the judge perspective, it may it for it, well it may be a lot of players' first experiences playing magic. It's going to be a lot of judges' first time judging. Sure. In in fact, you'll often have candidates that start out with Friday Night Magic um, because candidates have to get their uh, two sanctioned events in before they test. Uh, and you'll have a lot of L1s that don't do other large events that only do Friday night magic. Mm-hmm. So let's, so Friday night, Friday night's coming up. Let's say it's Thursday. That's or, almost or, Friday. Four o'clock on a Friday. It's almost Friday. It's four. It's not Friday night yet. It's Friday late afternoon. <laughs> um, what what are what are some things? So as a, as a as a judge that is interested in having good events and making sure that that the players have as much fun as possible, uh, what are some things that we might want to take a look at or be aware of before we uh, before we transition from Friday afternoon into Friday night? Well, there are a couple of things that you want to do from the very beginning, um, whether it's the, the day of or, or whether it's even a day or two before. Uh, when new sets are coming out, you want to spend some time going over the new mechanics, the new cards, making sure that you're familiar with them. Uh, new players and experienced players uh, sometimes have a, a hard time understanding what a mechanic might do. Um, so spending some time reading the pre-release notes uh, is always a good good uh, uh, is time investment. Another thing that you want to do is you want to spend a little bit of time reviewing the jar, especially if you haven't reviewed it recently. You know, it's only two pages, but that judging it regular document, um, it's a, it's a really good way to, to help guide you in, in making your calls and, and, and uh, interacting with players. Uh, the philosophy statement at the beginning is particularly important when it talks about how, uh, how, how uh, how Friday Night Magic is supposed to be educational. And we we did talk a little bit about judging at regular in our last episode about penalties. Um, and that would be worth the end of that episode would be worth a listen as it pertains to judging at regular REL and specifically FNM. So there are a couple of other things that we need to get to before we actually start Friday Night Magic. Um, you know, it may not be your responsibility as the judge, but you'll want to be aware of these things just to make sure. Uh, you want to make sure that we're your wizard events reporter is is up to date. Uh, I think uh, it has to be up to date in some cases anymore. Um, you want to make sure that there's paper and extra toner, things that we you, you've talked about before about needing at other events. Um, you want to make sure that the play area is set up. Uh, table numbers are out. If you use table numbers, that you have a land station that's fully stocked. Nothing's worse than running out of uh, uh, mountains. You know, got to have the mountains. Um, Do you though? Yes, yes, you absolutely have the mountains. It's okay to run out of islands, but not mountains. Yes, mm. yeah, absolutely, run out of those islands. I um, think I think <laughs> this is the episode that's going to end in a coup, y'all. <laughs> Today's the day. Today's the day. Well, you also want to make and sure any- that the play area is clean. You know, um, yeah. nothing's nothing's worse for a first impression, especially for a new player, than to come in and see a store that's that's not tidy. You know, make sure that the tables are picked up. Make sure that uh, people who brought in food earlier in the day didn't leave. You know, their 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 leftover Sonic wrappers on the table. Um, and make sure that everything's all set up, and the trash cans are, are empty ish. Oh. You know, they don't have to be super empty, but but they need to be um, ready to receive draft trash if if your store has if the store you're in has table numbers make sure that they're facing the right direction make sure they're straightened um basically to to kind of tag onto that i see it as if i'm a judge working for an organizer it's partly my responsibility to make sure their area looks good for their customers right and and some of these things are are not necessarily all in your control maybe the to is not going to let you update where it's but in an, in an ideal world, these are all things that you can take some time before players start to roll in and and make sure that you have everything you need to succeed and everything that the players are going to need. 
definitely. Right. You, we, when we talk about these kind of things, these these are things that you as a judge can give a value add to the TO um, and, and kind of separate you from a person who maybe, you know, just plays and maybe answers a rules question like like every other night or every other FNM. These are these are services that you can provide so that uh, the TO is like, wow, I want I want that judge to do doing my FNM. You are the judge, not right. a judge. Right. right. So, so as we as we're leading into, um, you know, we, we started with before the event, and now we're kind of before before the event, so to speak, as uh, as I think Charles put in here. Um, <laughs> what uh, what else do we have to worry about before we get to the before the event point? Uh, well, before we ever even roll in, uh, what 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 do I wear? What is my what is my uniform? Am I wearing judge? shirt am i wearing like check check with the tournament organizer before you roll up in your sweatpants and ugg boots about what or the or how you should present yourself the pajama pants that look like blue jeans Ooh, get your jeggings on yeah, I'm, I'm throwing out that out there for a specific reason and if you're listening you know who i'm talking about yep. but get some uh get some jinkos or uh no you can't they stopped just, making that they went out of business well, maybe they're uh, on super super clearance, and you can get some really sick so discount Jenkos. All all jokes aside, um, there's there's professional attire to wear, but there's also you could have some fun with it. I've had people go. I've had people show up to judge pre-releases in costumes that they'd made, where uh, somebody showed up to judge my Theros pre-release in like a uh, kind of Roman centurion hat. I guess they mixed up the. The, the, the <laughs> thing a little bit there, but, Close. but they, they, they were there to just have fun and they, it was entirely made out of magic cards. And that's awesome. I was like, that's a, that's a really cool thing. He might've, um, and I think, and just looking for an opportunity. That's also possible. Um, you know, it's, it's okay uh, to, to, to do that kind of thing. And Charles, was it uh, you that you, you were at a GP doing the unset drafts, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about that at the end actually, but, Okay, cool. But, um, cool. Yeah, there's no reason you can't have a little bit of fun with it. But the keyword in all that is professional. You know, it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be your dress. You can be doing this in jeans and a you know a clean shirt. Professional though refers to more than what you wear. It refers to your attitude and your manners when you take calls and when you deal with players. You know, you want to have a professional polish to your whole approach to judging. Show, show up and, and present yourself as someone who cares and wants to be there. Exactly. A, the question is, are, are you pl- playing and judging or just judging? Um, that's that's kind of a, a, a thing that that when you are going to be working on an FNM, you kind of need to know up front if you're going to be a judge who is walking around, checking things out, making sure things go go smoothly, or are you actually going to be in the event? Because at FNMs, you're allowed to judge and play at the same time. Assuming so, the TO says it's okay. Yeah, assume, assuming that the TO is some, some FNMs might be large enough to justify having a dedicated judge, you know, you know, if it's like 60 person, 70 person, that kind of thing. Uh, but if it's, you know, 10 to 12 to 20 people, yeah, get in there. Uh, but, but that is going to change how you handle things if you are playing and, and judging at the same time. And I think for a lot of this here, we're going to assume that you are playing and judging. Yeah, I think that's fair because I think that's what most stores, uh, have, a, have it set up as, you know, most stores have 30 player Friday night magics or maybe even smaller. Um, and in those cases, there's no reason that you can't play and judge so long as, you work towards building up player trust, um, and and you work well with the TO. Um, another thing to be conscious of is we're saying, oh, it, it only has 30 players. It only has 30 players. When I first started judging, the idea of running anything more than like eight people by myself would have terrified me. So... It, it's it's all what you're comfortable with. If you're not comfortable running a whatever size event by yourself, talk to somebody and see what you, if you're playing magic at the same time, talk to somebody and figure out what you can do. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I, I was just going to add on there that like I'm my first event that I ever ran uh, was an eight person draft. And there was so much I didn't know that that was overwhelming for me at the time. And now I have gotten to the point where I'm running much larger events than that. And, and, you know, that's, that, that was a progression. It didn't happen overnight. 
that's completely fair. And and what judges should probably remember and take out of this, especially if they've never judged an FNM before, is this. Uh, FNMs are, are run uh, at regular. Uh, they're a casual event. The players that come in, they're trying out new decks. Uh, maybe they're drafting. Most of them don't call judges um, or, or the judge calls are a lot less frequent. So it's easier to handle an FNM with 30 players than it is maybe a, a sealed event at a GP with 30 players. It's a different kind of feeling um, in, in a store than it is at a larger event uh, with these dedicated players playing competitively. Some, something else to, to be aware of when you are getting these, these players that are coming in for a good time is, is be, be on the lookout for new players. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to come into the store. And like I said earlier, you want to make sure that they have a reason to come back a second time. And so one of the things that's, that's actually, you know, you could just strike up in chit chat is maybe talk about their deck a little bit and find out if they're aware of the deck construction rules for your particular FNM, uh, because nothing, nothing feels quite as bad. And when I say nothing, you know, there's obviously like DQing somebody for, but, but to find out that they brought their deck from home and it's not standard legal for a standard FNM and like having to do that scramble, that's, that's, that's not not a good one. So if you, if you have an opportunity to talk them up, find out what they're playing, how they, how they made their deck. And if they're excited about it, that's a real subtle way to a build goodwill and B figure out if you're going to have a problem, uh, middle of round one. Um, just a note on that. If you're talking to someone and you're trying to be friendly, but it seems like they just don't really want to talk and like you've given them the information that they need, let them have space. For some people, they might not want to chit chat and that's okay. Um, just sort of follow, follow their lead as far as follow them around the store and ask them. (laughs) Got it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You, you cracked the code. This is one of the advantages, though, of being a player judge. And, and I think we should just use that as, as almost a universal term, player judge. Um, at FNM, being a player judge, you get a chance to also interact with them in the game. You know, you get a chance to sit down and, and play with these, play the new player and, and have this give and take about game states. And at the end, you've, you've maybe built a, a little bit of uh, a relationship with them through the game and you can sit there and, and they might be a little bit more comfortable with you afterwards. You can talk to them about uh, how long they've been playing or uh, uh, what drove them to come here. If they're, if they're a new player and see, you know, if they're having a good time, it's really important to try and establish that, that basis of trust. And you can do that um, just by playing some magic. I'm going to, I'm going to, share a secret with the world right now. Well, the world meaning whoever is listening to this episode. I, Rogan King, have never judged an FNM in my life. No. Not ever. Really? Really truly. What are you doing on this How are you on this episode? Because I judge other things. Um I I, I the store that I learned played magic at the I, I only ever went there uh, initially for Wednesday night sealed during Innistrad Dark Ascension Limited. And I remember the first event I went to, uh, I uh, lost because I did not know that you could move equipment on your creatures. I thought that once it was there, you couldn't move it until your thing died. Um, and after that happened, I had uh, like seven different people try to tell me that that I could do that and i was well i appreciated that that was a thing that they wanted to help me with i still again make friends talk to people be nice be conscious of of what of what else is going on around them but yeah i've never judged an fnm i i have got i've done a, a lot of local events i've but i've never specifically judged friday night magic well that's it you're disqualified I'm out. <laughs> and, and this this is this is an important part of so each individual judge kind of has a different thing that their career looks their their judge career looks like. Uh, some people do FNMs and they love it. Some people use FNMs as a stepping stone to something larger. Other people are are, are able to just jump right into the other stuff. Uh, you know, so so everyone's judge event history and judge profile is going to look 
a little bit different. You know, there's probably, you know, four or five large categories, but within those categories, you're, you're all, you're all different. So, you know, and, and FNMs themselves are going to be different. So you're, you're, everyone's experience is going to be a little bit different, but in this podcast, we're hoping to go over the, the major beats and, and highlight things that are, that are different. And one of the things that might change for, for FNM specifically is, is what, what in the, in the notes I, I, I referred to as controlling the pace of the event. Um, different stores do different, do things differently. Like some stores might want you to enter results in some stores might want you to run the clock. Some stores might not have a clock. Some stores might not want you touching anything and say that their employees will do everything. And you just answer rules question. You know, you kind of want to figure out before the event starts, what the responsibilities are. And now if you've done several FNMs before, you will have already worked this out. But the first time you go in there, there's going to be a little bit of trying to figure out, okay, who does what. Uh, your responsibility as a judge is to make sure that everything has been thought of. Okay. So if the TO says, you know, uh, I'm going to handle everything, you just answer rules questions, then you say, okay, does that mean that you're going to run the clock? You know, does that mean, does that mean you're going to pass out the slips? Uh, you don't don't necessarily say it confrontationally, but just like, OK, these are these are the things that I can do or I was expecting to do. I just want to make sure that they're covered, uh, how results will be reported, that kind of thing. Sure. And and that's the neat thing about uh, F&M. You mentioned slips, and I think it's a good idea to talk about that just for a second. Um, there are a lot of stores that don't use them for F&M. Uh, it's not practical for them to print them out for an eight man pod and an eight player pod. Toner's expensive. To- man. Toner's expensive. Yeah, you know, there's just not a need because they have somebody working the counter that that has were open and and they're uh, checking people in and out. They can sit there and have players come up there and just enter the result right on in. It's uh, it's easier for them and it's easier for players. You know. A lot of players come to a large competitive event and have never filled out a slip before. You know, you'll have players the very first round of a of a GP turn to judges and say, "How do I fill this thing out?" It's good to use slips every once in a while in, in a store, especially when you're talking about larger events or pre-releases. Uh, but for smaller events, it's not really used, at least not in my experience, and that's fine. You don't have to use them. And again, everyone's everyone's store is going to be different. It, it, some stores are huge and are are absolutely going to need that need slips for every single event. And some places, people will look at you like you have three heads if you start talking about match slips. Right, right. So you you talk to the TO before you come to the event or at the beginning of the event. Hopefully, you're there a little bit early if it's the first time you're working there. And you you ask them whether or not they do slips, whether or not they post pairings. If they post pairings. Where would they like the pairings posted? Uh, if they don't post pairings, how do they handle talking to their players and getting everything set up? Uh, you work through all those little details, uh, the, the, the questions that require management. And then hopefully after a few minutes, you're into playing and you're starting around. So we've, we've, uh, uh, we're ready to start the event. We're 655 we're, we're, it's Friday night. We're ready for some F and M and F and M and F and M and M's. Oh no. Oh, it's been a minute since we had those marketing decision. No, this has happened. What? F and M. Yes. F and M and M's were, were a real thing. Oh, I remember. Yeah. For yeah. During Innistrad, uh, they gave F and M's out, right? It was, I think it was shortly after they, they got rid of, uh, F and M promos and they started doing other marketing things and they gave Innistrad M and M's out. I want a million of those. I want every single one. This was a real thing that happened and people were so upset because they're just like, I just want textless cryptic commands and you're giving me M&Ms. Like, this is- <laughs> <laughs> oh, textless cryptic command. Anyway. So I'm sure I'm sure we're supposed to be talking about something in particular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's let's talk about so start starting the event. So one of one of the one of the important things for FNM is actually starting on time. But I've got six um, players this, this in a car gonna... who will be here in half an hour, Brian. Okay. Um, it's always that way. But here, here's the thing. If you if you don't start on time, that you're always going to have those six players in a car that are always on their way. Like, yeah. And, you know, if, uh, so I've learned something about this. So a lot of the time, 
a TO will come to you, an organizer will come to you and say, oh, I've got players who just called me and they're on their way. Can we wait for them? And you have to gauge that situation because sometimes, and you might have to ask them, what do you want to do? Because sometimes the, the TO is basically saying, I want to wait for these players. And sometimes that organizer is wanting you to say no so that he doesn't have to. <laughs> That's so real. And, and I, I had that happen at a PTQ once in, uh, in San Diego where the organizer comes up to me 10 minutes before we're supposed to start the event and says, I've got a car full of people just over the border that are trying to get here. And I was like, the border? He's like, yeah, in Mexico. <laughs> He's like, they just got to get through customs. Oh, and then they'll be the other way. I'm like, no, we're not waiting for these guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they've just got to get through customs. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's I'm gonna be delayed. The dog just alerted on my car. What? There are valid reasons to sit there and say, yes, we're going to wait 10 minutes or yes, we're going to wait 15 minutes. You know, it, it, I, I live in an area that's that's close to major metropolitan area. There are times when Philadelphia closes a bridge and players are just simply delayed due to traffic concerns. There's no reason not to wait 10 or 15 minutes and give those players a chance to get there on time. But you don't want to... Uh, make all the other players wait in a definite period of time for that one car load that's going through customs. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's something. The, the Ben Franklin bridge, the Ben Franklin bridge being closed down, valid sure. reason, you know, yep. Chucky in the back decided he wanted a frosty. <laughs> so they stopped at Wendy's is not a valid reason. Although frosties are really good. It's not a good reason to be late for FNN. So, um, you you want to you want to try and start on time. Now you know the TO might want the entry fees, uh, so you might need to. But but try and work that out. And if you're gonna be playing in the event uh, at the same time, uh, you kind of want to have a plan for well, what do you do if 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 players show up late? But really, starting on time is a win win situation for everybody because the, if you start on time, that means you're gonna get out and the. the you know, at the end of the event, the event's going to end sooner, too, which means that T.O. gets to close the store earlier, which means he doesn't necessarily have to pay for lights and overhead and employees and stuff like that. Here's the other fiscal reason, and it's a really good fiscal reason for all the T.O.s out there listening. If you start on time, if you start your draft on time, if you start your eight-man standard pods on time, whatever you start on time, if you start those on time, you have a better chance of running second and third events in the same evening. You know, players will stick around if there's action to be had. They love to sling cards. So there's no reason not to start on time. If players are late, they can get something to eat. They can jump into something else because Friday night magic is casual. You can run as many events as you want. That sounded like an advertisement. I want you to know. It is. It is an advertisement. It's an advertisement for being sensible about time and your use of it. I mean, I'm sold. Now in larger events like PPTQs and stuff like that, we might sit players for a, a player meeting. Is there any need to do anything like that at an FNM? No, there really isn't because one of the things that we are doing when we sit them down for a player meeting is we're picking up deck lists um, and we're informing them of, of other things that are related to the event. Uh, Friday night magic is casual. Uh, we don't use deck lists for almost anything at Friday night magic for almost any reason. I say almost twice there, but <laughs> I know stores that will use deck lists um, because they want to run a very competitive environment. And if that's your store and it works for you, okay. Um, but most new players aren't expecting that. They're they're expecting to come in, sit down, and be able to just start playing. They don't they don't understand what what deck lists are. Let's save that for the PPTQs. Right. So we can we can just get people playing Magic, ready to go, sitting down across from who they're playing round one. Yep. So so print print the pairings. Yes. Tell them where they're sitting for the draft pod. Tell them where they're seated uh, for constructed post pairings. Yell out that that Jack and Jill are playing at table one. You know, whatever. Get get them seated, and then uh, we have the thing the the opening announcements. All right. So we so, we what else do we need to know when we're getting our peeps ready to play some magic cards? Well, they probably need to know how many rounds there's going to be and what the prizes are. So tell them. You know, there's there are 15 players, which means we're going to do four rounds and maybe your FNM is one that does a top eight. Maybe it isn't. Uh, 
maybe it does prizes based on standing Swiss standings. Maybe it does a, you know, maybe it does a cut to top eight. Maybe it gives store credit. Maybe it gives booster packs, you know, just, just let that information, tell that information. If it's a, if it's a relatively new set, maybe go over a, a, a mechanic that, that you've, you've seen problems with. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't make it very long. Make it light. If you're standing there talking for five minutes, you've gone about four minutes too long. Um, I'm sure we've said this about a, a million times, but people people zone out so, so, so quickly. Don't say more than you think you need to. Get the really important stuff out of the way first. Yeah. Your best announcements in a, in a store, in an F&M environment, are generally three points or, or maybe four. You don't want to just drag on and on and hit so many different things. Uh, if you know that there's a new player, then you maybe talk to them on the side and say, hey, you know, if you need something, let me know or, or the bathroom's in the back. Um, but the regulars, they all know the, the song and dance. They, they know that, you know, the event uh, prizes out with six packs, four packs, two packs, or, or however things work. Um, if the store uh, advertises on Facebook, then half the work is done for you sometimes with some of the information. Uh, so announcements can be very easy, very simple, um, very friendly. Smile when you announce if you can. <laughs> it does help. It makes you more approachable. If you're doing a draft, um you know, make sure that the the players who are there know are are familiar with the the basics of drafting. You know, ask a question: Has has everyone drafted before? Does everyone know what zone drafting is? Uh-huh. And if you if if you get a yes or everybody does know and they're all regulars, great. You don't need to go into that. But if you don't recognize somebody or maybe somebody doesn't seem very sure when they nod. Yes. Just go over it anyway. You know, just be real quick. Give a, give a brief description and then, and then uh, move on. I, I like to ask the opposite question, which is the, is there anyone that does not know this? Right. Right. Uh, it, Cause then, then if you say, does everybody know nobody, nobody actually wants to speak up and, and they, uh, everybody's just like, oh yeah, we know because they know, but they don't know that everyone else knows. So, but if you, if you ask the opposite question, which is, uh, is there anybody that does not know, uh, you're going to see one of two things happen. If there's somebody there that doesn't know the first one is most of the time, somebody new will go, I don't know. And they'll raise their hand and say, I don't know. And then you could explain it. The other thing is if you're watching the crowd while you ask, if there's anyone that doesn't know, and somebody's looking around to see if somebody else is speaking up. Oh, that's a good. They they probably don't know. You know, you, you hit on a and, point there, and that's when you have somebody new. If you know that you have somebody new, just explain zone drafting. Just do it. It only takes yep, yep. a minute, and uh, it helps the regulars also to hear it again because it, regulars get sloppy. Um, I didn't say that, but they do. You know, <laughs> they they get to a point where they know that they're passing to to their friend Jim on on the left, or or to their friend Anne to the right. And they just kind of start to pile up cards after they've been doing it for three rounds that evening. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you, you push zone drafting all the time, because if you're going to have a problem during a draft, it's going to be because somebody didn't zone draft and they've mixed up packs. 100%. Um, after we've done that, um, look for little, little efficiencies in your space or in anything you're doing. So if you are using slips uh, print your things, post them, get your slips ready in a, in a timely fashion, have them ready to go once have slips ready to go out. Once you've started talking to folks, um, if you think there are going to be any problems and you are the one scorekeeping, be available to fix scorekeeper issues as pairings happen. And if there's any, if there's any specific issues unique to your space, like maybe you have a multi-room event, maybe you're your LGS has has three different play areas. Be conscious of the ways you can make that specific factor a little bit easier. Some something something that if you know, for example, that you're going to be you're responsible for starting the clock, and maybe the clock is at the scorekeeper area, or maybe it's at a it's it's a computer on the wall that uses a remote or something like that. Maybe you assign yourself a table that's that's close to uh the scorekeeper station you know you can you can uh you can do fixed seating 
uh, in were with a little bit of work. So maybe maybe you just say, you know, you're not you're not altering any matches or anything like that. You're just changing what table it's at. So you can be close to that. Um, what you what you don't want to be doing is running out onto the floor to do something, then running back to the scorekeeper station and getting, you know, getting something else and then running back on the floor to do something and then running back um, when presumably you're going to be playing also. So you kind of want to get everything, get everything done uh, and, and reduce the amounts of back and forth trips so that you can also sit down and you can enjoy your game as well. Be aware of your, your space and your limitations as a human being. So speaking of, you know, getting back to your table and being able to play, what happens when a, when a judge call comes up while you're playing? You know, if you're the judge uh, working the event, you want to make sure that you're taking care of a couple of different things. Uh, First thing you should do is you should make sure that your opponent knows that you need to step up and take a call. Uh, Make sure that you know where you are in your turn uh, or their turn. Uh, Take a look at your board state and let them know that, you know, your table will receive an extension because there's two extensions that will probably happen. Um, and then you get up yeah. and, you, and you go over to the uh, the table that you're being called to. And if you don't take calls regularly, um, I think it's important to point out that you're going to probably try to go to the person who's trying to get your attention. Um, if they're at the end of a row, that's great. But if they're seated back between tables uh, and one play- player has their hand up, go to that player first. Um the weird thing, though, is is with Friday Night Magic, that may not be the player with the question. You're going to have a lot of inexperienced players mixed in with your experienced players. And sometimes it's the experienced player that's calling for help, but it's the inexperienced player that needs help. That's a good point. Just make make sure you know who whose attention you need to, who, who, who needs the particular assistance. Right. You just have to be very adaptable and, and very... Um, Make it so that everybody's comfortable. Um, if the player needs that needs help is on the other side of the table, ask them to hold on for a second. Just go around to the other side of the table. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, you know, you can you can do things like you can crouch down lower to make yourself more approachable or to, to make yourself more friendly so you're not this judge looming over the table. You know, kind of get down on their level. Uh, you do want to make sure that you talk to both players to make sure that you're, you understand what the situation is and give both people an opportunity to tell their side in case there's a, an issue or a problem. Um, don't, and this, this is something that I've, I've seen a few times. Um, if they ask, if they're asking simple questions, uh, still, still treat it as, as a real, as a real question, you know, don't, I've occasionally seen judges get kind of smug if the, if the question's really simple. Uh, you know, kind of with this, oh, I can't believe you don't know that kind of attitude. Uh, don't don't do that. You know, you're you just just you know every everyone began at some point. Everybody at some point was like, so if I tap this island, I get another island. I get to go get another island. You know, people ask those questions. That that is a thing that happens with beginners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you were one once too. So. So I, I remember, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Jess. Sorry. I was going to say I remember uh, a story from when I was I was uh, judging Magic at a comic convention, which is uh, which ha- often has very new players, and some players flagged me down. They weren't in an event; they were just off to the side playing with intro decks. And they flagged me down and they go, "Are you a judge?" I'm like, "Yes, I am." Go, Can we ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, "Absolutely, go ahead." And they go, "Okay, well, I'm attacking with this one three, and they're blocking with this three one." And I go, "Okay." And I go, well, what happens? And I was like, oh, I, I can answer that question. And then I explained how damage worked. And they went, oh, we've been doing that all wrong. Oh, boy. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they like sometimes players don't know even as much as you might you might think they should know from a beginning level. Right. F and M's really a unique mix. You know, you're going to get a lot of players that don't understand how trample works or trample works with death touch, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to want to take a minute to explain that because, you know, we're judging it regular. We're supposed to be making this educational. We're supposed to take a minute or two out of our time to make sure that they have a good experience and they understand what's happening so that when you go back um, and they play around later, they know how their cards now work. Um, but the other side of that is, is you also have really experienced players that come in and sometimes 
don't know the deck that they're playing because they net decked it and they've got a brand new deck and they've got to try it out in standard and they've got to try it out in modern. And they just don't know how that interaction works with Clark clan ironworks. Is that how you say it? Uh, KCI. Yeah. Yeah. That, that card, Um, you know, they need a walkthrough as well sometimes. So it, it behooves you to take the time to talk to the players and to, and to make sure that they know what's going on. This isn't competitive, you know, that you don't want to, even at competitive, you don't always want to snap off a, a judgment. That's that's not really a good thing to do. But at Friday Night Magic, you definitely want to take that extra minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so, so this is, this is taking, taking the call. Uh, you can, you can, when you're addressing the players, you make sure that you understand the problem by restating it, you know, go over if you have to do any fixes go over the fix before the players actually start doing it so that if they don't understand, you don't get kind of stuck in the middle of, uh, oh, of the yeah. fix when they're like, wait a second. Now I got a question. Um, and, and then, you know, given the appropriate extension, uh, and then, you know, head on, head on back to your match and give your, your table, the extension as well. Get yourself an appropriate extension. Yes. Uh, now do, do we want to talk about the awkward situation where, you have a judge call it your match. Oh, and it does happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, most so, often when that happens, honestly, the vast majority of the time that other person is going to look at you and go, does this work this way? And you're going to say yes or no. And this is why. And then it's fine. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it might be a rules question. Like they, they don't want to ask you because maybe it's something in their hand. Okay. A lot of times in that situation, if you don't have another judge nearby, what you've probably got is a trustworthy regular that knows the rules really well, because there are plenty of non-judge people that know the rules really well. And most stores have a rules guy that may or may not be a judge, right? Or girl. There's Yeah, yeah. there's almost certainly a um, rules person. A rules person. And I've found in my experience, it's okay to tap that person in that situation. This person's like, oh, I've got a question, but I don't want to show you my hand because I'm playing against you. You could be like, oh, well, you know, Jane can answer that question. She's really good with the rules. Um that's okay if the context calls for it. And obviously if Jane's okay with it, um, that's, that's a fine thing to do to, to make that situation work. That's kind of the theme at, at regular REL is just make it work. Absolutely. I like make it work there. That's good. So, so we've made, we've made it work, and we're coming up to, to the end of having made it work <laughs> for this 50 minute block. Um, so the, the end of the end of round, so the round the round is ending. If you've finished your match early, you know, you're gonna need to make a decision whether or not you're gonna go and talk to the player or you're gonna go enter results. Um, you know, if someone else is entering the results, maybe the 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 TO or something like that, then uh sure you can go you can continue your conversation, you can watch uh, you can watch other matches uh and kind of help with any any problems that might come up there you know you may be able to go and double check to make sure that the the results were entered in correctly you know you got you got you got some choices if you finish early another thing to do uh when the round is ending is you know watch the clock watch the time you are probably Uh, just just real quick on that um with friday night magic and with new Um, players and and even casual players uh, who don't go to large events, it's not a bad thing to announce, hey, you know, the round is ending in 10 minutes. Uh, giving them some forewarning, especially if there aren't clocks in the room, uh, that the round is coming to an end, make sure that they know how much time they have leading up to the end of the round. Smart. Um, and and th- that's something that I see happen more than I'd like at local events is judges who are who are playing and also judging not not calling end of round because they they aren't paying attention to that so just be be very conscious of that right and it's and it's only and it's only again it's it's the same reason that starting on time is a good idea finishing your rounds on time and getting your rounds turned over in a reasonable amount of time again makes makes the evening go by faster and is more efficient and people aren't waiting around. Now this, this last point that we've got in, in the notes for ending around is if your match goes over time, like if your match goes over, you know, you, you want to weigh some responsibility or, or not responsibilities. You want to weigh your options there. If, 
if it's your match goes over, or maybe you're the last you're the last match. You're not required to concede by any stretch of the imagination. If you're in it, play to win. You know, that's what you're you're there for. I mean, maybe you have a good time, too, <laughs> but play to win, um, you know, but if you don't have a good chance of winning, if you're like five percent, 10 percent to win or something, something abysmal, um, you know, maybe maybe consider just going like, ah, you got it. And then go go enter the last few results and flip your round. Uh, you know, I'm not not by any stretch of the imagination saying, you know, if you've gone to time, you must concede. But at the same time, you might want to weigh getting the round started versus, you know, the the uh, if I draw my one out in the 30 cards that I have remaining, then I might have another three or four. You know, I might be able to win in three or four more turns when I really only have two more because it's small tangent. I was playing in a legacy open once um, where I realized I was obviously not judging. Um, I was I realized that my match was the last match and I like could have won. But I got so guilty about holding everyone up that I was like, nope, concede. Enjoy. Oh. It was like round four. So, so you weren't you weren't like. Um, high tide, and I'm going to try and go off. This I round. was playing Nick Fit and play, trying to play dumb, dumb, stupid stuff. So I didn't have time for my my dumb shenanigans. At any rate, okay. So so that's that's basically you know once once you turn the first round, uh, it's really kind of rinse, wash, repeat all the way up through getting getting the 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 top eight going, and then it's it's. You know, maybe you can maybe you make an announcement of the top eight. You make like a big drum roll or you 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 stand up on a chair and make an announcement and get people cheering and hooting and hollering. Or maybe you just kind of post your top eight and be like, here's our top eight. You know, go to the bathroom and then meet me over at table one. That's boring, though. <laughs> real, real, real talk for a second about the yeah. whole top eight thing. It's fine. It's fine if you're running maybe four rounds or if you're running maybe five rounds. But people, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes have jobs the next day or they have other responsibilities. If your event's going until 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning or later uh, regularly on Friday Night Magic, uh, you might want to reconsider how you have your events structured. Um, C- consider... <laughs> Yeah, top, top consider consulting with your play ba- player Friday base night about whether Saturday or not that's the thing and, they actually and, want. Uh, if you're closing after the bars have closed, good thing to uh, think about so a little here, bit. Here's a here's an interesting thing: the the players that are often most interested in a top eight are are your your players who are most often in the top eight, um, the, and they're going to be very loud and very vocal. And so you want to make yeah. sure that if you're if you're trying to figure out whether you should do a top eight or prizes based on standings at the at the end of the event, you want to make sure that you talk to other players too, uh, and not not just sure. the loud ones. Uh, you you want to make sure that all, all wheels get greased, not just the squeaky ones. <laughs> um. So so that's that's a consideration. Definitely prizes based on Swiss. Uh, does challenge players' expectations if you've been doing a top eight for a while, but you might actually close and get to go home two hours early, which is awesome. Well, so so here's the here's the other thing. Uh, since we've talked a little bit about from a TO monetary standpoint, if your organizer has an eye for growth of their event, then running full Swiss with the top eight just doesn't work. Because even though it works now, it won't work if their event doubles in size. Right. Right. Absolutely. So let's go on and talk about some some common problems that might occur uh, for someone at FNM. Uh, one thing one thing we hear about a lot, or or not necessarily a lot, but it happens frequent enough that it it should be brought up here is the uh, the TO doesn't want me playing and judging at the same time. The, the, so even though the rules allow me as a judge to play in FNM. The TO's gotten complaints from players, or doesn't think it's fair, or thinks I might have some sort of unfair advantage. So I can't, I can't do it. So so help me out. Help me out, Judge Cast. What do I do in that case? A lot of this comes from when this happens. One of two things, I think. It comes from either the event's gotten so large um, that you're distracted by playing. Um, or it comes from one or two players, not 
players plural as in a lot of them. It comes from one or two players that for whatever reason, um, maybe you talked to one of these players a little while ago about they may play slowly. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, you, you talk to the TO. You're there. You're you're there as an ambassador of the game. You want to build a relationship both with the players and with the TO. Ask the TO where it's coming from if they're willing to talk to you about it. If they're not willing to talk to you about it, ask them if it's something that you can improve upon or something that you can help fix or address. You know, when you come to the TO and you're reasonable about um, what their expectations are and and what you can do to help them, a lot of times you'll find that the TO is reasonable in return. Yeah, this can also come up. The, the the case this can come up that wasn't mentioned was when the store does have those really big prizes, even if it's a small event. Um, sometimes the, when the prizes are large enough, it can appear as though it's a conflict of interest for you to be judging and playing at the same time. Um, and I try to discourage TOs from having high prize regular REL competitions because uh, that that leads to all kinds of toxic environment that that we don't necessarily want. It doesn't have to, but it often does. Uh, well, it's not, it's not in the spirit of what regular is supposed to be anyway. Uh, what else do we, what are there quick common questions? Alliteration. Can we solve? There are a couple different problems that we've listed in, in the show notes that, that Brian provided and and a lot of them boil down to, uh, and I'm going to hit one or two of them real quick. Players aggressive, player is aggressively rude, or, or player plays slowly, or, or players don't respect your ruling. I think they kind of all fall under um, one one solution, um, it, a general solution, and that is talk to your players. You know, if you have a player that plays slowly talk to them. If you have a player that's aggressively rude, talk to them. If you have a player that doesn't respect your ruling, talk to them. You know, you can do it between rounds. You can do it off to the side. Hey, look, you know, could you help me out here a little bit? I noticed that you're playing a little bit slowly. I don't know if you're doing it intentionally. Why are you doing it? Um, if they're being aggressively rude, look, you know, it's a store policy that we try and keep this a family environment. Um, if they don't respect your ruling, try and find out why they don't respect your ruling. You know, all of these things kind of fall under uh, under um, a solution where if you build that player relationship, and it sounds like I'm harping on the same thing over and over again, but if you build that relationship with players, it's much easier to talk to them and to find out what's going on and to help them be a part of the solution and also be a part of the solution for them. And, and if you don't feel comfortable personally talking to somebody because maybe you think that they have a problem with you, uh, talk to the TO and see if they're, if they have a better relationship there to talk to them, talk, just find a way to figure out what's up. And if you're not personally comfortable having that conversation, find someone who is. Yeah. Getting the TO involved is key, especially with players that are really, uh, that have been a part of the scene for a long time and think that something's owed to them. You know, I spend $1,000 in the store a month. You know, those players are the players that you really need to try and, and uh, pull the TO in for, for help with sometimes. So so something I, I do want to bring bring up here is when it says, we said player play slowly, player aggressively rude, player, player doesn't respect your ruling. Let's, let's just also consider for a moment that if you have seven several players no seven if you have exactly seven if you have several players that seem aggressively rude or you have several players that don't respect your ruling one thing that you want to take a little bit of self-reflection on is you know what's the common denominator in these interactions you know it's it's you and and maybe maybe it's it's not that the 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 player isn't respecting your ruling because they're jerks Maybe it's because you're you're not being very confident when you give your ruling, or maybe you're being dismissive when you give your rulings, or maybe your rulings are wrong, or you're unnecessarily argumentative, or something like that. Uh, what I would what I would uh, counsel someone to do is, if they're having problems with with several people, is look to see what your behavior is that's influencing their behavior. Yeah, and that's you know even if that doesn't seem to apply to you, we can all use more diplomacy. Always, I can always use more diplomacy. Brian can always use more diplomacy. Definitely, Brian. <laughs> but you know they they shots uh, fired. Like the, the <laughs> he's right. The uh, the we all have moments when we fail at diplomacy. Um, 
sometimes that's at a judge call. Sometimes it's out of a judge call. I've had some recently in the judge community and, and like, so like it happens. Um, but you can recover from that and, and you can work on, well, how can I improve in that? And so I think what Brian's getting at is, uh, make sure that's not you. Uh, make sure that, uh, you're not exacerbating a problem, uh, by the way you handle it at the table. Sorry, we kind of stole that stole that topic. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think that it though, that's important to talk about. Is is um, you know a lot of times L ones working at, at F and M's, you work kind of in a bubble. You know, you, you don't have a lot of interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the average, I, I don't mean to say average, most L ones don't work large events. You don't have that opportunity to network out to see how it's done in in a on the big in the big show. Um, so you don't necessarily know how to do it um, in the smaller sense. Uh, when you do this, be aware. You know you're trying to to uh, put your best foot forward. You're trying to show magic in a good light. You're trying to put a good face on the store and on the community. You know if you're constantly finding yourself in conflict, maybe there is a problem with how you approach things. And. Um- Coming off of that for a minute, let's talk about when we have real issues that that we need to deal with that are different from from this kind of thing. What, what if we think a player might be cheating? What That's we a really broad question. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, it's an important topic, but it's yeah, well, a really jar- broad question. You know, uh, for instance, I had yeah. somebody that came to me with a story about an interaction with a judge and, and a player at another store, and the basic premise was was that one of one player might be seeding his his uh pool in, in a pre-release you know they maybe went to two different pre-releases and on the second pre-release they're taking the rares from the first pre-release and putting it into their 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 next pre-release um situations like that require tact and diplomacy that's that's where you start you know you you approach the player do you mind if I take a look at your deck? Mm-hmm. Can I can I go through it for a minute? Do you can I see what the rest of your pool? You know, try and build what's happening. Try and build the story uh, for yourself. Um, you guys do a couple of really good podcasts, I guess, on something called investigations, um, which which might be a really good starting point referral <laughs> to, to this whole topic. Uh, it, cheating is a really broad and very sensitive topic, and we don't want to. The most important thing, I guess, to say is, is don't jump to a conclusion before you've had a chance to look at the, the whole thing. It's another instance of, of, of ask questions. Don't go into a scenario just saying, oh, everyone just knows this person's a cheater. Like that's just treat everyone fairly. If you need to keep right. an extra eye, if you need to ask some questions, ask your questions. All right. Well, I... I... I am going to include a link to uh, at least one of our investigations episodes, just so that that's there. If you have more questions about how to handle how to handle those situations, um, other than that, uh, we've, we've covered a lot about uh, FNM. We spent a lot of time doing it, uh, so I think I want to go ahead and wrap this episode up. But is there anything else we wanted to talk about before we uh, before we depart? Um, anybody have anything they want to add about the topic to begin with? No, about the topic. Okay. Um, in that case, uh, Charles, is there anything that you wanted to plug or, or uh, talk about and l- let our listeners know? I very much want to plug something. Uh, okay. June, June 8th to 10th is SCG Con, and I'm sure that you have all heard about it. Uh, on Friday of that event, there's going to be something called an invitational. Uh, if you haven't heard, they're going to be running a sealed, unstable event, and uh, I'm going to be your head judge for that event. I'm going to be reprising my role as Dr. Judge. Uh, if you were at GP New Jersey or if you saw pictures on uh, Magic's Twitter feed, uh, you'll see that uh, I came up with a little bit of a cosplay. I had some fun with it. And uh, I'm lucky enough that uh, SCG has uh, granted me the my wish to come back and be able to do it again. And uh, I'll be down there in Roanoke in June. That's a very, very cool thing, and I'm very excited that you get to do that. Oh, it's outstanding. I am also excited. You know that yeah, I'm I'm hoping the best part about it is I in my in my uh player meeting, I uh tell them how to make a judge call. So you'll hear players yelling Doctor Judge for for judge calls. It's outstanding. So good. <laughs> uh yeah, I, I heard uh 
at GP New Jersey later on in the day, after, well after you were not running their event anymore, there would be players that would be talking about the conversation they had with Dr. Judge or Dr. Judge Aww. said so, such and such. And uh, you really left an impression on players. And I, I thought that was awesome. It, you know what? So you're thank you welcome, for that. But it's all about having fun, you know, and and that's kind of a big picture mm-hmm. thing. Um, just for a second, I keep seeing a lot of judges that are a little down on themselves or on the program in the past few months. Um, find something that you like to do, really. I, if you can find something that you like to do, make it your own. You'll have such a better time doing this. Yeah, that's good advice for all judges. He said, "Find find something is and." and what I'm what I'm hearing is is go find something. Don't absolutely for something to find you. Right? Go out. Go out looking for something and make it make it happen. Yeah, the, the, you can't sit around and wait for for the perfect thing to fall into your lap. If you are passionate about something, if you if there is something that you want to be happening, but don't know how to make it happen, ask the people around you and and figure out what you can do. Because there might be someone else out there who wants to do the same thing, and you just don't know until you start talking. All right. Well, um, just as a reminder, SCGCon, June 8th or 10th, that's going to be great. There's a lot of cool events going on there, and that's near the top of my list for cool events, Should just behind the cosplay contest. Uh, so <laughs> I'm excited about all of that. I hope to see you there. Um, I just want to thank you again, Charles, for being on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on talking about this topic, uh, and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. The pleasure was all mine. Believe me, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the show. Well, thank you for saying so. Um, and if you're listening out there and you're also a fan of the show or you just have a question for us uh, or something you want to talk about, uh, you can reach us uh, via email. Our email address is judgecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. And you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Uh, you can also see our entire archive of JudgeCast episodes. I guess you can hear the archive and see it <laughs> uh, at uh, JudgeCast.com, where there is also a list of episodes that are good if you're learning to become a judge. And I think this one is probably going to go on that page as well. Uh, so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 196. I'll just end the episode by saying that I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fair. I'm Brogan King, and I keep it fun. And I'm Brian Prilliman, and I keep my F and M and M's in my pocket. Oh, they'll get so squishy. <laughs> yeah, well, they get old, nice and warm. Ugh. You have your choice of reading a one and a half page document. Or listening to a 80-minute podcast in episode 106, uh, where we go over the jar in excruciating detail. Did we really spend 80 minutes on that topic? Uh, so a little bit, a little bit behind the behind the curtain here. Uh, when we first started, when we first picked up on JudgeCast, uh, CJ uh, and I, but way back in episode 34, and then for the first, I don't know how many episodes after that. We kept worrying that we didn't have enough material and we kept trying to jam topics in. Oh boy. And and so we would get to the end of an episode and not have talked about everything we intended to or we would get through everything and it would be like way too long. And we realized very quickly that we didn't actually need that many topics. We were going to fill the space. <laughs>